time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive in life, no matter what's coming your way. And boy, a lot has been coming our way these last few days or last few months. And so we are all trying to work on thriving better. And that's the topic. In fact, in just a little bit, I'm going to tell you about a special resource that I just released that will help you build your thriving life little by little. That's kind of the topic of today. So first of all, a little bit about this podcast. We are now in the 320s, uh, I think 326 episodes. It's been listened to around the world. And uh, part of the time I interview people who have expertise in how to thrive. And other times I share my own ideas. I consider myself to be a thrivologist. That means that I study how people are thriving and have been thriving really over the millennia, how people build their thriving life. And part of what that means is that I then take that information and try to apply it to my own life. So any ideas, any uh, discoveries that I make, I try to pass on so that you can try them out and work on that. And the resource I'm going to tell you about, it's a resource that I've been using with my coaching clients now for years. In fact, I've been using it uh, across the board with both my coaching clients around thriving and my coaching clients around relationships. Because this is important on how people can change their lives. And sometimes I'm amazed by what people report to me about the changes that happen through this process. So first, let's talk a little bit about what happens when people change things. Because a lot of times we kind of think about changes in life as being binary. You know, you're one way and then the other. It's like the 180 degree turn. I always like it when people say, oh, I did a 360 degree change in my life, which means that they turned all the way around and headed exactly where they were going anyway. But a 180-degree turn is doing the exact opposite of what you've been doing. So if you've been smoking and you quit, that's a 180-degree change, right? That is binary. You were smoking and now you're not. Or let's make it a little bit different. Let's say that you haven't been exercising and you start exercising. You have made a 180-degree change on your exercise routine going from nothing to a routine, Maybe you do it in other areas where you decide to stop eating sugar or stop drinking soft drinks. And in that moment, you go from doing that to not doing it. It's a binary piece in that, that piece. But what happens next? So let's say that you started exercising. That's the 180-degree turn. But once you're exercising, what happens from there? Well, that's a little bit different. It's not binary. The change process that happens on normal life, how we improve our lives is not a binary on or off. That might start the process. You can do the 180-degree pivot, and that's a great thing. Many times in my life, I've found myself having to do a 180-degree pivot. Sometimes, let's say you go from one job to another, right? That's a, a pivot from one job to another. It's not like you're trying to improve that job anymore. You left it and went to another job. But then there are times when you're in a job and you're like, how can I improve this job? Or maybe you're in a relationship. You could say, I'm in the relationship, now I choose to be out. Or maybe you say, I haven't been in a relationship, now I'm going to find one. Those are also 180-degree pivots. You were and you're not. You're now not, right? And Or you, you're not and now you are. So those are the pivot points that we make in life 
that then lead to what next? What happens now? Many times as I was working as a therapist, people would come in and they would have made a change and now they're trying to make an incremental change to improve things. They keep changing. So they realize that it wasn't enough to just make that first step. So let's go back to the exercise one because it's easy to see. You decide to start exercising. So let's say that you decide that you're going to start running. And day one, you're not going to run a marathon. That's long after you've progressed. For a while, you might go out and decide to do a walk run for a mile or so or two miles. And that's your starting point. It's a great thing to have started, but that's not where you stay. If you've been a runner for years and you're still doing a walk run in that first mile and that's where you started, it's because there hasn't been improvement. And maybe you didn't want improvement. So this brings in a concept that has been used in manufacturing, but really is a deeper concept that comes to us from a Japanese understanding of Kaizen. Kaizen, that's a combination of Kai and Zen. But Kaizen is the concept of changing for the better. It's really the heart of the continuous improvement movement that's been uh, captivating our manufacturing in the U.S. and overseas, in fact, starting overseas now for decades. It really started post-World War with Toyota, who implemented this process of moving towards something better. So if you think back on an old Toyota, I can also think back on the old Hondas, they were very basic cars. The engine was well built, but the rest of the car was very basic. When I was a teenager uh, and one of my jobs, I had a person who had an old Honda and it was a tin can with a pretty good engine. It was very loud. Uh, it was very uncomfortable, and but it got me from one place to another when I had to make a delivery or I had to make a, a trip. That was the Honda back then. But slowly they've improved. Same with Toyotas, a very basic car in the beginning, and then they slowly improved until now there's a lot more luxury to them. They're much more comfortable, much more quiet, uh, much more something that you, you really would enjoy being in. That was because of constant improvement. The same thing can be said for us in our personal lives. You know, let's say that you start a relationship and at some point that relationship can get stagnant or you can keep doing things that improve it little by little. And one way you do that is by communication about what might make things better. One of my questions I often suggest people have with their spouse when they're kind of working on things and getting to a better place is to ask, what can I do that will make our relationship better. In fact, I'll just roll it out a little bit longer for you. Here's the conversation. How would you rate our relationship from one to 10? Let's say the person says, oh, I'd say it's a six. Okay, super. I would love it if we could go higher. What would take it from a six to a seven or eight? What would make it a nine or 10? And when the person gives some feedback, you now have what would improve the relationship. That's a great conversation to have back and forth. And if they say, oh, it's a 10, great. What do I do specifically that makes it a 10? Because I want to keep doing those things. If they say it's a one or a zero, uh, that's kind of emergency first aid. You, you, you want to at least get to a five, but you can at least start a conversation around a relationship of how you're going to improve it. 
The same thing can happen. Let's say you go to the doctor and you have a physical and they say, you know, you've got these issues and you say, okay, well, how could I improve on those things? How could I work on my health? What could I do that would contribute? And so you change your diet or you change your exercise or you take some supplements or maybe some medicine or do something else so that you are improving that. It's not going 180 degrees, right? In, the, in either a relationship or with the doctor, you're not going from, from dead to alive. You're going from where you are now to something better. So that's that idea of continuous improvement, of Kaizen. I believe that this really is the roots of how most of our change and our growth happens in life. Yes, there often has to be a drastic change to get us on the right road. But now how do we get further down that right road? How do we make our life better? How can we become more of who we want to be? So as you can tell from the title of this podcast episode, it's about three things you can add to your day to make it better. Three moves for a better day. Here are those three moves, and then we're going to go through them. First of all, it's to have a morning planning a way of thinking through your day. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a minute. The second thing you're going to have is move, a move through the day. In other words, get a little movement in your life, some physical activity. It's one of the places I see many people neglect over time, and it's a great place to quickly add something in. The last part of that is the evening review. To ask a simple question, how did my day go? Did I get to where I wanted to go? So I want to dive in a little bit deeper on each of those. Now, before I dive in, though, I want to just go through a process for you. This is the four-step process that works in continuous improvement. And if you've done training with a company, if you work in a company that works on a continuous improvement concept, if they work on a Kaizen process, you already know this. But let's just go through it and talk about how it can apply to you as an individual. The four pieces of the circle, and it's a continuous circle that goes round and round, is plan, do, check, and act. So the starting point is always the plan. What are we going to do to get things done? What's, what's our hope for the day? You know, this is for many people getting up and going, okay, what are, what's my to-do list? What are the things that I can do today, I need to do today? That's an important beginning process. The next step is to do them, to put in the place in place the things that you're going to do in your plan, the things that you have already decided to do. Put those into practice. So that's following through on your list of things to do. The second, the third thing to do is then to check, and that is where you measure and reflect on how that went. You know, some people do a to-do list. I know people who love to make lists. I'm not one of them. But they make lists and they just like the process of making a list. It makes them feel better and a little bit more control of their lives. But at at the end of the day, they may realize that nothing on that list got done. It just felt good to make the list. Then there are others who are not much on list making and they don't make a list, which means that sometimes through the day they're wondering what to do next. They're just kind of lost. Then there are people who are like me who don't like to make a list, but do it anyway, because I need something to keep me on track. And so then at the end of the day, I can look at the list and go, okay, what still has to happen? What needs to be done? And that begins to go on my next list. 
for the next day. So that's when I started checking in. But I also have to ask a question, how did I do on that? So let's say I'm in the process of writing a book, which is a fairly continuous process for me. At the end of the day, I can go, okay, how did I make use of that time I'd set aside? Did I get to where I wanted to? Not so much did I get all the words down that I wanted to, but did I make use of that time in reflecting and thinking about that and processing things and and finding resources? The next thing is to then act by adjusting to those changes, which really brings us right back to the beginning point. That's a continuous thing. So you notice that planning, the checking and planning, the planning and checking, the doing and acting, it ends up being get my plan, act on it, reflect on it, try again in a process of continuous improvement. In continuous improvement processes, anybody can say, hey, I've got some feedback for you. So it might be useful to have somebody say, hey, I think this process might work better for you. It's also important to be able to give yourself some feedback. So that process can begin to fit into how we set up our day. I want to first tell you why I put move in there, which is actually the middle segment. Sometime during the day, I think it's important for all of us to get some movement, to get our body moving. It's very easy for us to get trapped in our head or in our gut and not be in our body. So our gut's when we're reacting. I don't know if you've noticed, but we seem to have uh, an issue with rage these days where people are reacting to situations out of rage for their own sense of self. That's acting from the gut. Then there are people who are so lost in their thoughts or thinking that they never get into the rest of their body. I'll admit of those options, I spent a lot of time in my head for many years. I went to school for a long time doing training uh, that was fairly cerebral exercise. And so I was working a lot in my head, but not far below my neck. And that's why I didn't notice that my body was getting out of shape and getting overweight and beginning to be stressed out. I didn't notice until my body got sick. Since then, I've been trying to attend to my physical self a lot better because I realized one day that the body I have is what's got to get me from here to there. It's what's got to get me through the day and through my life to do whatever it is that I find to be important. And so part of what our bodies need is to be moving for a number of reasons. One is I do believe movement helps us to connect our brain with our body and our gut with our body. So that we're processing part of what's happening with us. The second thing is it keeps the body in shape. And far less needs to happen to our body than sometimes we feel it does if we're reading a magazine and seeing the buff bodies there to keep our body at a good place. The third thing it does is it grounds you. It makes you have to shift gears away from that. So for me, there is a significant amount of the day that I do spend trying to move in some way. I try to have some active hobbies that keep me occupied in different ways. But every morning I get up and I walk with my dog. And on that walk, I listen to a book or a podcast or something that's kind of enriching to my day, something that gives me some stuff to think about. And it's a a brisk walk. It's not a super fast walk, but it's it's beyond just meandering through the neighborhood. We take a brisk, about a five-mile walk. And then I do something much more active 
uh, to take care of my body and really kind of keep up with my muscles and everything else in it. But part of what that does is it sets up my day to have the energy I need to make it through the day and get done what I want to get done, to contribute the way I want to contribute. And I don't think that that's a luxury. I think it's a necessity. So part of what I do when I'm working with clients is help them find some routine to to move. And I'm not picky about what that is. A 15-minute walk is fine if that's where they need to start. A seven-minute workout there are apps for that. There are things on the, the um, internet that you can find that walk you through the seven-minute workout, which has been scientifically tested. It helps your whole body. The exercises that are included address every area, every muscle group in your body. So you get a little bit of movement through there. And so when people say, I just don't have time for that, my first reaction is, if you don't take time for that, you'll be catching up later on. Your body will catch up with you at some point. My second reaction to that is seven minutes, get up seven minutes earlier, or or let's round it up, get up 10 minutes earlier. You're going to probably shower anyway, so get up 10 minutes earlier and knock out a seven-minute workout. So we need to move through the day. Many people underestimate how much of an impact that can make in their life just by doing that one piece. Now, let's go with the other piece. Because it plays into the move. You see, moving ends up being a place of continual improvement. Part of what I've been working on for the last couple of years has been jujitsu. I've not been doing that during this COVID epidemic. But before that, I spent a couple, two and a half years uh, being in uh, jujitsu several times a week, usually four or five times a week. And I treated that as a place where I was working on continuous improvement. I didn't expect myself to be great at it. I did expect that I could improve every time I went. I could walk in going, okay, what can I learn today? How can I be better at this process? And I applied that as a Kaizen method of slowly moving through and learning more about jujitsu. And honestly, I realize every time I do that, how much more there is to learn. The same thing when I'm paddleboarding. Can I keep my balance a little bit better? Can I go a little faster? Can I paddle a little more efficiently? Can I move around the board a little bit better? Just slight little improvements along the way. The same is true with my workouts. I throw in a little yoga to get stretched out. Can I do the stance a little bit better? Can I go a little bit deeper? Can I stretch a little bit further? Those are all Kaizen because they are continuous improvement of something I'm doing. I didn't have to go from zero where I wasn't doing something to doing it. But I keep adding things on. So let's test something out. And so many times I'm testing some new way of exercising. And at that point, I'm going binary, right? I'm going from not doing it to doing it. And sometimes that means I'm doing something and I stop doing it because I want to put something else in place. But the things I keep doing, I improve. Now, part of all of that is tied into another process that I do. And this is the part that I've been using with clients now for years. And that is having a morning planning and an evening review that people can work through. And I have people do this on a simple sheet. And I call it my Thrive Journal. The Thrive Journal is designed to help you think through your day in ways in the morning that transform your day and in the evening that help you set the next day for a better day, to Kaizen one day to the next day. 
So to do that in my sheet, the first thing I have people do is step into gratitude and appreciation. The reason for that is, yes, I know you've heard it on Oprah and everywhere else that this is something to do, and it's become so cliche that people miss the fact that we have clear scientific evidence that by being appreciative of what people do for us and looking at the world through gratitude, that we transform our brain. Our brain is much more plastic. It's much more malleable than we think. And so what we're shifting away from is the scarcity model that often runs our lives. And we are more about abundance and and how big things are and how fortunate we are wherever we are. So part of that process has people step into gratitude to name some things for which they are grateful that day. The next thing is the appreciation where you let someone know what you appreciate You take the gratitude and you put it into relationship. It's a powerful force that can transform relationships and you in relationships. And then I ask for people to think about what they want to be today, who it is they want to show up as, specific things to really put that down. How clearly this is who I want to be today. What is that? And that flows into action. What are they going to do? How are they going to act that day? What are they going to do differently that day than they did yesterday. And sometimes it's only a slight thing. Today, I'm not going to be upset when I'm driving and there's a traffic jam. Today, I'm not going to be upset when something happens. There are lots of ways you can do that. Today, I choose to compliment somebody. So many places where you can work that through. And then I ask for people to really think about the most important tasks that have to happen today. And what most people do is they focus on the things that arise for them. It's kind of like putting out fires. Stephen Covey talks about the, or talked about the four different quadrants. And there's the quadrant of the urgent and important. Those are the absolute essential things that have to happen. They're going to happen because they are urgent and they're important. Then there's a category of things that are not urgent, but very important. And ask for people to think about what are the not urgent but important things in their lives because they tend to be the ones that uh, get sucked up by the time taking in the not uh, important but urgent. Usually that's somebody else's agenda for you. The things they ask you to do uh, that they want right now or they wanted yesterday that's not important to you but they want it for themselves. That's often how that comes to be. And then there's that category of not important and not urgent. And I find that when people aren't clear about what they need to get done, those two categories get lots more attention than they need to. They spend a lot more time doing what's urgent to somebody else, but not important to them, not going to help their life. And then they spend a lot of time doing the not urgent, not important. That's often uh, flipping through social media or uh, just kind of mindlessly reading articles uh, or news or looking at something on TV, which they don't really care about, but it's on. Just a kind of a waste of, of, of space that could be taken up moving their life to something better. And so I ask for them to plan their day. And then to think about one more thing, which is something they want to remember that day. Maybe it's a quote. Maybe it's a phrase. Maybe it's just a word, something that speaks to them that day. And to encapsulate that in their planning exercise. Now, this planning 
takes people 15 to 20 minutes. It's not a long process, but it gives them a document, a place to look at their day. Some of them tell me they take it out at noon just to see where they are. It's not what I ask for them to do, but they take it out to see where they are in the day and to readjust even at noon. They can do some improvement right there, some Kaizen in midday to get the rest of the day going to be a better day. But I do ask for them to come back in the evening and do an evening review, which is basically where they take each of those points and they go back through their gratitude list and remind themselves of the gratitude. They check in and ask, did they appreciate the way they had agreed to? Did they, were they who they wanted to be that day? They can take some notes on maybe the times they were and the times they weren't. How'd they do with their action? If, what did they want to do differently? Did they get their plan done? And did they follow their attitude? All of that is a simple review. For some people, that's five minutes. Some people, it's 10 minutes. Some people, it takes a little longer because they really want to dial it in the next day. Because then the next day, they get up and they do it again. It's a simple process. But what I've discovered is when I'm working with coaching clients, those three simple moves can transform their day. Just choosing some place to get a little bit of movement, take a walk, take the dog for a walk, go out and do a seven-minute workout, skip a little rope, do something. And this is where the Kaizen steps in. Once you start that process, what you'll discover is you'll work at being a little bit better at it and maybe doing it a little bit longer because you realize the dividends of it. You start seeing the effect of that. Then you have the constant improvement that comes from setting up your day and checking in to see how that went and then doing it the next day and the day after. And then you begin to be in the cycle of constant improvement. So that's the process that I use with many coaching clients. It's a helpful process for them, and I realized it might be helpful for other people. So we put together, I had uh, somebody help me with the design work to take all of those elements and put them into place. And we created a Thrive Journal that's now available for you. That Thrive Journal is something you can use. It, it, it'll last you about three months if you use it every single day. And uh, what I wanted to do was to get by one of the biggest complaints I've had with clients who've used it, which is now I have a big stack of papers and a lot of people would do a three-hole punch and stick it into a notebook, but still, it's a notebook. And they kept saying, I would like it to be something that I, it's, it's a little more like a book on a shelf that I can look at and, and, and see my history. And some people have done it in journals, so that works just fine. So whatever works for you is great. But if you would like to walk through that guided process... That book is now available. The journal is now available. It's called the Thrive Journal. You can find it by searching for it on uh, Amazon. Uh, just do look for the Thrive Journal and then put my name, Lee Balkum, because there's lots of other stuff that might show up. So the Thrive Journal, Lee Balkum. Or you can go to Thrive Dash, you know, the little like a subtraction sign that's up there, thrive-journal.com thrive-journal.com, and it'll get you right where you need to be to grab that. It's an easy way of transforming your day just by walking through a process that I've been using now for a number of years as people from all walks of life, whether working on their relationship or changing their life or their job or trying to find a better way of thriving in life, they've used this technique 
to see pretty amazing results. Now, I would love for you to give that a try, and I would love for you to tell me how that worked for you, because I'm always trying to improve that too. So if you're interested in that, check it out at thrive-journal.com, thrive-journal.com, or do a search at Amazon for The Thrive Journal by Lee Balkum, and you'll find that. There's also a link in the show notes. It's a great way of just building in a very simple process that can transform your life and help you build your thriving life. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.